Hello, friends. Today's guest on the podcast is Audrey Sneezik. Audrey is a software engineer and rock climber. She has spent most of her career working for Microsoft and still balances the many demands of a corporate job with high-level sport climbing. We talked about Audrey's beginnings, both in computer science and in climbing. We talked about becoming a morning person so she can climb before work and how she warms up her body at 4 o'clock in the morning to be ready to climb 514. We talked about leaving her job at Microsoft twice and the time she spent traveling and climbing full-time and what brought her back to a corporate job this time around. We talked about the gym that Audrey started in Beattyville, Kentucky, near the Red River Gorge, about coaching in China, about her time competing in the World Cups, and the self-talk she still uses to build up her confidence and to remind herself why she belongs on the same stage as some of the best athletes in the world. And we talked about her most recent 514 and her current climbing. Audrey sent me a bunch of great training resources. If you are interested in her Tabata-style warm-up or her conditioning circuit, you can find those linked in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. I also linked to Audrey's website if you want to learn more about her or reach out for coaching. She's available for that as well. She's also just told me that she sent two of the 13 Cs we talked about later in the interview. She's been using some link-ups at Little Sai to get back in shape, and it sounds like that is going very well. So congratulations to Audrey. And that's it. Please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Audrey Sneezik. I'm just going to do a sound check real quick. Um, what did you bring for lunch? <laughs> peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> peanut butter sandwich? That's it. <laughs> I'm surprised, actually. Oh, it's simple. It was fast because I'm just running from here to go meet a friend, and uh, I, made, I made him a cherry pie. I owe him. I so, saw that yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. It was a beautiful pie. Yeah. You're struggling with the warm dough, right? Uh, yes, because I put the hot filling into the pie dough and then tried to put a, a lattice crust on top of that, and the crust <laughs> the crust bit was a bit warm. So itself was too pliable, okay. and it just started melting on the hot filling. And, oh damn! Yeah. Anyway, but I owe him a pie, and so he's okay. anxiously waiting for it. So I go from here. Basically, lives right by my work, so I'm going to go over there, drop him the pie. I just quickly threw a sandwich together, okay. and, and that's my lunch, just so I would have something more than just pie. Is it literally just bread and peanut butter? Uh, peanut butter and like raspberry jam. Raspberry or jam. I don't even like raspberry jam. It's just what I have in my <laughs> fridge right now. So I'm just like using it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like a person who needs to finish things. So if it's in my fridge, like I have mm. to eat it even if I don't like it except an onion. I won't do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What about like junk food? Do you ever just like throw it out? You're like, oh, I can't, I can't yes. keep going on this junk food that i will that you will i will not hesitate okay although if i've gotten it and i'm eating it you know at some point i'll start to feel guilty and i'm like do i really need to finish this <laughs> like yeah, yeah yeah it's like you're just eating it to make it go away yeah yeah that, that. <laughs> i do not need to eat a whole bag of chips or a whole thing of chocolates or whatever uh-huh yeah i fall into that trap i'm like well i don't want to eat junk food again later or tomorrow so i should probably just eat all of it now <laughs> exactly. and then have it done but right? then you'll feel sick after and like, you feel Why terrible did I do that to no myself? it's it's not a good strategy throwing it in it's the garbage is probably a better strategy yeah what do you do for lunch if you had what would you have done if you had more time to prep is... I probably would have still eaten the sandwich. 
<laughs> Lunches are the worst meal for me. I don't okay. know what to eat. Like, I don't want to cook. It's sure. a lot of work to cook. So I want something simple. I can do a brunch for lunch. Like I'll make eggs and bread toast, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't have that for breakfast typically. So that's about the extent of cooking. Grilled cheese maybe sometimes. Grilled cheese. Yeah. That okay. became a thing over the COVID period with my housemates. Would like pre-make it and then bring it to... No, I wouldn't pre-make it. Oh, because you're working at home. But if I was just home. home, I would just Got yeah, it. make it. Okay, that but, makes more sense. Yeah. If I'm in the office, it's a salad. I usually just take a salad in, but I pre-make it at home like with all the bits and then just assemble it at work. Okay. Yeah. But again, that, I didn't have time this morning. It was like just yeah. a sandwich. That's okay. it. Okay. Do you yeah. put protein on your salads? Um, I learned a couple things to put on there that are kind of healthier, like uh, flaxseed meal sometimes I'll put on there. Flaxseed meal. Yep, a okay. l- like a half a teaspoon or something, so it's not too grainy. Yeah. And then um, yeast flakes, I okay. put that on there. Um, and then I love seeds, uh, fruits sometimes, uh, avocado, tomatoes, carrots, and pepper generally are. The- and then a spinach mix. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a go-to dressing? I usually don't use a dressing. You don't use a dressing. <laughs> I need a dry. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> But I mean, <laughs> but if I did a dressing, that's fine if you prefer it. But that just sounds like no, because what happens is that you have to have the dressing on the side. And if the dressing leaks and there's all you know traveling with it, <laughs> so if I'm home and I want a dressing, I'll do olive oil and vinegar and I'll just make it. Okay, know? it's easy. It's a three to one ratio. Yeah, Pretty simple. That's I, um, and I'm a huge the fan other, of that. But just the other balsamic. problem, yeah, balsamic vinegar. Mm-hmm. But the other problem is if I make it and the salad sits there then it gets all soggy and i'm gonna eat it later and then Uh i just have soggy lettuce so that's the other reason why i don't typically put the put dressing on (laughs) yeah got you (laughs) i thought we could start with how you came onto my radar actually so you are a rock climber and a software engineer and i saw a really cool film featuring you uh, i think about five years ago it's called work hard climb harder and it's about a five minute film i think it came out in 2015 Featuring you in your work and you climbing a route called Lost Horizons of a 14B at Little Sai. I thought we could start with that. You have kind of an atypical career for a, a hardcore rock climber. You know, there's a lot of climbers who are doctors or engineers or science people, things like that. That's not as uncommon, but you have more of a corporate life and a corporate job than I've seen in, in most other climbers. How did How did that come to be? Is that something that you've always... Have you always sought out that and have you had a lot of fulfillment from your work or is that just paying the bills? How do you how do you think about that? Because I know you've talked about work-life balance as well and how that can be a struggle. Yeah. Well, let me go back in time to see how I got into computers in the first place. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when my dad bought like there, when computers were kind of the laptop computer was just coming out. There was like this Timex box. It's a really boxy kind of computer. And I had done computers in like uh, junior high. There's some like... Commodore 64 or something like that thing and we would do like learning stuff on it that's all I remember and it was cool but not anything that was like oh I want to start gaming on computers or I want to start building computers or I want to write software for computers it was never like that but with the combination of my dad's interest in computers I had a brother an older brother I still have an older brother and my dad was really about promoting his son's like career didn't really promote mine I'm not sure what he wanted from me actually like um he encouraged me to take a typing class but he encouraged my brother to go into computer science and I was like uh no like (laughs) I want exactly the same opportunities as what he's getting so Mm. I so as soon as I was able to (laughs) when there was a computer science class offered in my high school which I learned 
that I know now is actually an anomaly. And in its time, I think, wow, I was so fortunate to have had that opportunity. Mm. Um, I took it. I signed up for it. Like I didn't ask, you know, and run it by my parents or anything. Like, <laughs> at that point, I was just like, I'm, I'm doing this. So I took a computer science class in high school and I was good at it. I liked it. And it just seemed like something to do in college because I didn't know what else to do. So I was good at it. I became a TA my first year. I was already ahead of the ahead of the game. Hmm. So I stayed with it and I got a computer science degree and I was like, well, what can I do with this? <laughs> and so, and I was like, I also don't want to live here, which is like in Ohio, my hometown. Okay. And I was looking like, I'm graduating college and I'm thinking I can build my life here or I can build my life anywhere. Like, yeah. Where would I do it? And so I came out here and used Microsoft as a way to get a free ticket to go explore Seattle. Mm -hmm. And a woman friend of my mom's that I grew up with her kids um, had moved here and was encouraging me, like, move to Seattle, move to Seattle. And I was like, well, what, what jobs are in Seattle? And it's like, well, there's Microsoft. They flew me out for the interview, and I was like, sure, I'll go. But I don't want to work for them. So I was okay. like, yeah, I was adamant. Like, I'm not working for Microsoft. It's like the evil empire. And huh. it's kind of the IBM mindset, mindset from where I was and going to school and learning Unix and these kind of like the operating system wasn't Windows, you know, everybody was, everybody kind of had a, uh, their nose up about Microsoft, you know? Mm, <laughs> so, okay. so when I was coming out, I kind of had that attitude too. And I interviewed with them and I was like, oh, whatever. I'm not really interested in the job they offered me. And it was a good job, but I was like, Ugh, I don't want to work in MS Access. You know, it's like, <laughs> whatever. I had like a little chip on my shoulder, you know? <laughs> so I turned them down on the offer, which okay. is like really dumb because at that time, <laughs> you know, Microsoft stock was like splitting left and right. People were making money hand over fist. And yeah. I was just like, I was clueless. Were you aware of that? No. No. <laughs> I had <Okay>. no idea. <laughs> All I was caring about was like, I got the free trip out to Seattle. I'm going to move to Seattle and I will find my real job when I get here. Okay. So I moved myself. Also, really, I was really naive. Like, I moved all three boxes of my belongings and myself on my own dime, moved out here, lived off of a couch, you know, didn't have a car, was just like, and then I learned later if I had taken the offer, right, they would have flown me out, put me in housing, oh given me like gosh. a bike or a stipend for a car. Right. Like I would have been set, but I didn't know. So anyway, I came out and I uh, ended up getting a temporary temporary job with uh, um, with Microsoft as a contractor just to, to bide time. Okay. And uh, I joined a team that was a transplant company bought by Microsoft from Perrysburg, Ohio. Okay. So I, all of a sudden I joined this team and they're all from Ohio and <laughs> we all talk the same. We just got along really well. It was just like coming home. It was so funny. And then six months later I went full time. Hmm. So I was already a climber when I came here. And I was going to ask that. And when I um, flew out here on that ticket, uh, I, the first thing I did was try to find REI. Like, I, I wanted to know if there was any climbing out here. So I had been, we'd been driving around, showing me around, right? And we passed this REI in Linwood. And I was living in Kirkland. And at the time, I'm like, there's no phones to go look at a digital app to see where's the closest recreational equipment <laughs> place near me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just saw this thing in Linwood. So I was like, I borrowed the car and I'm like, found my way across the water and found this Linwood REI. And like, I go in there and they have a climbing section. I'm standing in the middle of the section looking at everything. And I'm like, did they have the big tower? No, Okay. no, this, this was a, it was a smaller boxy store, but no okay. indoor climbing wall. Got it. So, so I'm standing there and I'm just looking lost. Cause I'm like, I have no idea where to begin, you know? <laughs> and some guy comes over to me and is like, can I help you? I was like, yeah. It's like, 
can you tell me if there's any rock climbing in Washington? And he just starts laughing. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and I just look at him and he's just like, yeah. He's like, you know, I can take you climbing. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. You know? Nice. So I meet someone right off the bat. They take me climbing this place called Mount Erie. It was beautiful. Mm. It was great. It was fun. And I fell in love with the area, which is why I moved and having the job at Microsoft. So I, I, basically had the best of both worlds. I had a great job. I had the opportunity to get out and climb. And the thing about me coming here is that someone like um, someone like my friend who introduced me to the climbing in Washington, Washingtonians, I found out, they do everything. They don't just climb. They climb, they bike, they kayak, they oh, okay. hike. They, they do everything. Uh-huh. And I'm like, they're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, mm, I just climb. <laughs> like, and not yeah. just climb, I just rock climb. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah, that was the the beginning. And since I, you know, the first 10 years of my kind of climbing life was very recreational. And I came out here and the walls were much bigger. The Everything was a bit scarier. I didn't even lead climb when I moved out here because mm. there was no place to lead. Well, the Red River Gorge was just being established and I hadn't actually gone down there yet. Okay. I went to like West Virginia, like Seneca Rocks or like the New River Gorge. And we just set up top ropes and we're like playing on things. But all my local cliffs were just top ropes. They're, they weren't tall enough to have any mm. kind of lead climbing or I was just bouldering, which wasn't really a thing at the time. No crash pads or anything. So just like <laughs> climbing around with the ground, you know, beneath you and you're just traversing or making up problems. But yeah, so I moved out here and all of a sudden everything was just bigger and scarier. And it was like uh-huh. learned how to lead climb. And so um, so working over the first 10 years, working in the recreational side of climbing is just getting out and doing it, exploring Smith Rock or like just getting around and, and trying to improve my skills. And they improve quite fast just by climbing a lot. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I found myself, I'm I'm top roping hard 11s, but I'm scared to death to lead something like that. Okay. And that kind of bothered me. Like I, I wanted to be able to lead my ability because that, that seemed like an important thing. People put a lot of weight on your your ability to lead climb hard things. And so top roping was great and everything, but I'm like, I want to break through. I want to push to the next level. So that second, my second decade of climbing became more about pushing those boundaries. Okay. And the thing I was lucky about is Microsoft is a company where you do have some flexibility in how you work. And it has changed over the years how they manage remote work. And now everyone's remote because of COVID. But Mm -hmm. up until that time, like... Training for climbing meant like I work, you know, during the day and then I bust out early and I get to the gym early and I um, signed up for a training class. So I'd be there for the class. I met other people who were super psyched. So we would like kind of motivate each other to continue to train or do things together to help improve ourselves. And I learned a lot of uh, techniques that way. And then it morphed into trying to make time around work so that I could get as much climbing in as possible. And that meant like, if that means running out from the cliff in order to get to work, then that's what I'm doing. Like just squeezing in every ounce that I can. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's stuck since. And I'm just lucky that in a software job, even though it's corporate, there's a lot of demand that I have the flexibility to, like today, I have the flexibility to be gone all morning and take advantage of my time because I'm going to end up working much later today okay and so it just it just evens out gotcha i feel like it evens out i don't know (laughs) don't ask them (laughs) (laughs) as long as they continue to give you a paycheck i guess yeah i mean mean, basically it's it you do it until it doesn't work and i'm only transparent 
I'm only as transparent as needed to be. So mm. if it starts to impact my ability to get my stuff done or if it starts to conflict with meetings that need to happen, obviously I have to communicate, take time off and things like that. But if I can work around it, then I'm like, no, I need my mornings. My mornings are for me and I take them. And that's just a you know nature of how my job has been able to work around it. So mm-hmm. it works. Have you always been a morning person? Huh. Have I always? I, I don't know. Um, In that video, you <laughs> talked about your alpine style sport yes. climbing. <laughs> I think there's a little clip and it shows you at least waking up and driving out towards Little Side oh, yeah. at like 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. And that's not, I've definitely met people more motivated than me to go uh-huh. earlier than that. And I tried. I did. I tried the even earlier times and I was like, okay, I can't do it. The earliest <laughs> I can get up is like 4.30 in the morning to, to get out anywhere. I'm like, earlier than that, it's too, it's too much. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> I would say maybe I'm not an early, early, early morning person generally, okay. but I do love the mornings. They're quiet, peaceful. I like the way the morning sunrise comes up. I like the air. Um, I, I, yeah, I just like the solitude of it. Hmm. And in the case of the climbing, being able to get outside and climb before work, I can never get out of work, especially here when, without COVID with the traffic. Getting out of work, working with China, our meetings go, they start at like 4 or 5 p.m. To try to catch the evening session. And so to catch got, an evening gotcha. session, I'm leaving work at 6 and I'm right in the middle of traffic. Mm. And then by the time I get to the you know parking lot and then I'm climbing in the dark and I'm like, mm, I would rather skip my sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, and get up early and make sure I get a good session in, mm-hmm. even if it's a quick short one, mm-hmm. than have to stress about all the traffic and commuting and getting out to the wall and feeling frazzled from the day. And then not having the energy to put into climbing. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of made me more of a morning person. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You ran before we met up this morning, right? Yeah, I did. I did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're a full convert now, it seems like. Uh, Yeah, I love it. It's just so... The mornings from the nights for me are just so different. Mm -hmm. And it just rejuvenates me to go out and just have that energy in me. So I, I love it. Yeah. Is, is there anything extra that you do to get your body awake and, and warmed up and ready to climb in the morning? It seems like it takes a little bit more than just the usual warm-ups. And I, I mean, I guess Little Sai has a nice hike built in, so maybe that's part <laughs> of it. But is there anything else that you have learned that helps? Well, when I wake up in the morning and I'm struggling to, you know, become awake and and motivate some sometimes it's easy to do a morning routine and feel like oh okay i'm ready and go but a lot of the times i'm still half asleep and sometimes mm. i'm not even awake until i take the first fall on the wall or oh, something wow, okay. yeah. <laughs> but it just depends like how how many days a week am i getting up that early to go out mm-hmm. i do bucket about 45 minutes of time i think that's the sweet spot for me to be able to get up my routine has changed over time but i i used to try to skimp on like not eating or, or whatever to just be able to get as much sleep as possible. Yeah. And now I don't. I'm like, no, it's 45 minutes. I have to get up. I have a good meal. I do my morning breakfast, my protein, you know, oatmeal, whatever. I do my pull-ups, push-ups, hangs, like okay. just a small set, um, like, a little therapy. This is at, like, at four this in the morning. Home. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Before I get out the door. Okay. And that way, um, things are kind of loose. And then, yeah, and then I have my bag packed the night before, and then I get out, and then you hike up, and then when you're when I'm on the warm-ups, you know, I don't have to worry as much about not having blood flow and okay. the muscles kind of tapped in. Yeah. Let's let's dig into that a little bit. So the pull-ups, push-ups, and hangs. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. So what do you do for each of those um, in the morning? So Just I have one a, set of each? or it, Yeah, it's not much at all. Okay. Um, there's a full warm-up that I have in my routine when I'm, like, actually training. Mm-hmm. But 
if I'm just going out in the morning, I don't have a lot of time. I'm usually just squeaking them out. So it's like eight pull-ups. I mean, which sounds so small, but sometimes eight pull-ups in the morning. Like yeah. <laughs> so uh, reaching up for the pull-up bar at four o'clock yeah, in the morning right. sounds hard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So eight pull-ups, and then I'll do juggy hangs. So my fingers, um, you're not just getting them on hard crimps right away. Okay. And they're just 12 seconds, and then I'll just kind of stand there, and I'll do the slowly put them on slightly um, reduced width okay. edges, never putting them on the hardest ones in the morning because I just think that's too much. Okay. And then you bust out 12 push-ups, and then if I have a TheraBand, I've got a small TheraBand routine. I just run through that, and I'm done. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's <laughs> really interesting. What about at the crag? Do you bring any bands or any warm-up tools or anything like that? I've tried. Them? You've tried? <laughs> I've tried. Okay. And I find that the style of climbing I end up climbing most of the time is the the cramming it in before going to work doesn't afford me a lot of time to do a full, well-rounded session. Mm. And so if I take their bands up, usually I have one other person. It's not like we have three, so I don't have time to just sit there and like... So you kind of like go, mm-hmm. you know, I found that the like the morning sessions, the number of climbs I can get in is almost equivalent for the time that I'm out there to the same as somebody who goes out for a full day. And I'm just like, it just blows yeah. me away. Yeah. Yeah. I was fascinated by that. You and I got a chance to climb together a, a week ago and you don't rest very long no. b- between pitches. No. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going to take 45 to an hour. And you're like... <laughs> Huh. <laughs> That's <laughs> Guess right. I'll climb twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I've kind of gotten used to this. And yeah. uh, I don't know what it's like to be like, well, I need an hour before my next go on my project. Do it's kind of like. Have you experimented with that at all? I barely am at the wall for that much time to okay. allow it. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. So. Yeah, you feel like your body's just totally adapted to the quicker pace, the quicker schedule. I think so. Will you get four or five pitches in before? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. What time are you hiking out And it really depends. Well, again, it depends on season, depends on which wall I'm at. Definitely if the sun comes on the wall and it's midsummer, like you're out of there when the sun's on the wall Mm because it just gets way too hot. And that's like 845. Okay. So that's not a lot of time to climb. No. So there's a bit of, there are some nuances to making that morning climbing work. And part of it is you're not going to be resting a whole lot because you're just kind of going to be go, go, go. Yeah. And the other is that you kind of have to have an agreement with your partner about who's projecting and who's red pointing because mm. if you're both projecting, there's not a lot of climbing that's happening. Mm-hmm. You just don't have the time. And my projects are like all the big link ups that are like on the wall that take up the whole wall. Right. So, Lost Horizon is like 40 meters or something. Yeah, it's really long. Yeah. And like I was trying, um, I was trying Wide World of Fitness as a uh, Ben Gilkison route. Okay. And it starts way on the right. And then it crosses through all the cruxes of the wall and then ends on lost. Okay. And so, I mean, it just takes a long time to climb as it is, but then it also impacts a lot of the roots. So you don't want to be there when it's really busy. So the mornings Mm. are perfect, but it does take a long time. So I have to be sensitive to if I'm going to climb this thing, my partner's got to know, like, we're not going to do four or five pitches today. You're Mm -hmm. probably only going to get three. (laughs) Okay. You know, so they got to be okay with it. Do you ever, you know, trade days like? Yeah, Today's absolutely. about me, tomorrow's about you sort yeah, of thing. Okay. Yeah. We can totally do that. Gotcha. Yeah. So it, but it helps if you have a regular morning person because uh-huh. then you guys can get on a schedule and you understand like how it works. Right. But for like right now, I have no idea who I'm climbing with and I'm trying to find my COVID pandemic buddy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so 
climbing with new people, then you're not on a routine and things get mixed up a lot. You just end up climbing what you can. And then if you can get into a routine and get into a system, then it's better. Okay. Got it. Did you send Lost Horizons on a morning session like that? I did. Yeah. And that session... This guy who was climbing, he was, was he an intern at the time or was he just a new hire at Microsoft? I can't remember, but his name was Zach and he lived in Bellevue and he didn't have a car. Okay. And I was desperate for a person to climb with because <laughs> I knew I was close and I was like, I really need to go out there. And he was like, well, I'll belay you if you come pick me up. And I was living out here. So oh, I drove man. from here, which is like 20 minutes away in from Issaquah. Bellevue. Yeah, Isqua Highlands. Uh-huh. So I drove from the Isqua Highlands down to downtown Bellevue to pick him up. How long is that? About 20 minutes, I okay. think. And then come back All past back. here, you know, the 30 minutes <laughs> to 32. And then we hiked up and yeah, and then I sent the route. So it was worth it. Totally yeah. Worth it. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> nice. having to get up like an hour earlier because yeah. I needed to do that extra drive in there. Because that's a, yeah. I mean, even from here, that's a long commute when you take the drive and the hike into consideration. How long yeah. does it take you from your house to get to the wall? Um, I was really lucky when I was living here because it's, you know, halfway there. Okay. But I'm in downtown Bellevue normally. Got so it. from there, it's, you know, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the hardest part is, so, so the out is fine because the morning traffic is pretty much nothing you just cruise mm. it's coming back because you're coming mm. back at about 9 30 9 9 30 okay and you're just hitting traffic as you come into town so mm-hmm. here you're starting to get a little at least i am because the guys they jump in the shower they're five minutes and out but i'm like <laughs> if i have to wash my hair like that's more than a five minute ordeal uh-huh. so i've got to get to work and i can't just go to my office with like dripping wet hair mm-hmm. so i've got to you know dry it and, and get look professional to get in the office so if I'm nine nine thirty and I'm stuck in traffic, I'm kind of tapping my fingers, wondering like, oh, okay, I'm pushing it. You know, I might have an eleven a.m. Might be a few minutes late. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets a little stressful. I want to back up to a couple of things. I, I still am fascinated by the corporate job thing. So how long have you worked at Microsoft? Because you're you're back there my again. Entire now? career. Yeah, yeah. Did you go away from it for a I bit? I did. Okay. I did. They they call it a boomerang when you leave and come back. Right. So I've had. Two boomerangs. Two boomerangs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I left. I left in 2006. I wanted to move into a van and travel and climb full time. So again, I was in the mindset of I want to explore my potential. I want to take the sharp and leave what I my ability. And I'd been training for climbing. And my I was making good progress. So mm-hmm. I was just. I wanted it. I wanted the experience of going out and climbing full time. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to go back to Microsoft. That's what I said. But uh, two years later, <laughs> after the road trip, I decided I would go back. Okay, <laughs> so that's pretty back. good. That's a good chunk of time. Not, not bad. Like, uh, um, spent five months in Australia and then circumnavigated the U.S. twice. And that's uh, amazing. Yeah, basically decided that it was better to post up in places and climb. It was cheaper as well than just like move around. So I didn't explore everything there was to explore. Mm. But I did explore some really fascinating places and I stayed in these places. So I got a lot of experience and time in, in a place. I really enjoyed that. You have a similar approach to your climbing, it seems like. You seem like a project climber. Is that just how you prefer to live? Just go a little bit deeper into something rather than see all the things and experience all the places? Um. I do like to experience new places, and I think I do get sucked into what's convenient for me, especially with my job. Okay. So, like, right now, if I could, since I can be anywhere, I would be, I'd probably try to be up in Canada somewhere, Mm because that's where I'd love to climb at this this point. Um, Weather's getting warmer. There's new stuff up there that I haven't done. Would love the access to it. But the border's closed. So, my next option is pretty much around here. 
and I don't I don't really have the van right now, so I can't just take the van and go find Wi-Fi somewhere and mm. like post up by index or go to Leavenworth and it gets more complicated. Mm-hmm. So for living in my place here and being in one place, basically the exits are easy are the mm-hmm. easiest. So yeah. I kinda end up just I've climbed a lot of the stuff there. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so it becomes more projecting is Got what it, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well those two years on the road, I mean, is that what you were referring to when you said you realized that you prefer to kind of stay places longer and and experience them a little bit more deeply yeah absolutely okay what does that look like like how long do you like to stay in a place when you go travel i think it depends like how much fun i'm having how the weather's going how many partners there are what the scene is like uh things like that Mm -hmm. i now have i kind of have the kentucky vegas seattle trifecta Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the mini homes in these three places so Mm -hmm. i i tend to be more in those locations now and i have a really hard time if I go to the Red River Gorge, because I've got so much going on there, I end up getting sucked into there. So I feel like if I'm going to go to the New River Gorge, I need to just plan to go there. Mm. Don't stop at the Red, you know. <laughs> Don't like, just, yeah. just go directly. Because every time I think, well, this time I'm going to be in the Red for a while, so I'll just <laughs> go to the New too, and I never go. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just get sucked in. Yeah, there's lifetimes right there. of climbing at either one of those spots. So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. There's one question that I still want to explore a little bit more deeply. There's something that you said in that video. You were saying that you just really get a deep satisfaction when you achieve a goal, whether it's climbing or in your work. And it strikes me that, you know, you, you've likely had opportunities to find something less corporate and still make a good living and still do work that you enjoy. So is, is that, that must be a big part of it. Do you get a lot of satisfaction from your work now? Well, I I did leave the job twice. The second time, I actually did freelance work. Okay. And I tried to start my own company. Actually, I do have my own company. I have a training company. Uh-huh. So there's fitness training. But it's um, it was never going to afford me the, the amount of money that I would need to survive. It was more because I want to give back to my communities and I also think I'm worth being paid for it. Mm. So I was doing that. I tried to do some freelance using my software skills, and I did that for a while, and that actually yielded quite well. I made good money doing that. The flexibility was okay, but I found that it was just a bit of a struggle when it came to the healthcare costs and things that I had to take care of mm. from a freelance perspective. And when it came down to it, I had sustained an injury, and I decided that this is the best time to go back to corporate because... I, what else can I do? I, it's not like I'm going to be traveling around climbing. I mm. can't run. I can't like, I just need to rehab and medical costs add up. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, our medical system is just kind of not that great. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. having to pay like a lot of money every month to have just to have healthcare and then being on the exchange um, or the Obamacare or whatever you want to call it, I couldn't even see the doctors I was used to seeing. So they were just like, no, you have to see these new doctors. And so I started paying cash for everything. I was like, well, this is crazy. Because mm. you can get a discount if you pay cash. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is crazy. I'm not using my insurance because they won't cover the doctors I want to see. And I want the healthcare I want. So I mm-hmm. want to see the people who trust, who I trust and who I know will treat me like an athlete and help me with a good recovery plan. And uh, in order to do that, I just wasn't using it. So I was like, well... There's one place I know where I can get private insurance or insurance that will cover these, and that's corporate. Mm. So I was like, it doesn't make sense for me to, you know, throw my money out the window and, you know, pay all this. Because if you need, like, if you need surgery, like a major surgery, I mean, that's 10K just flat. Mm. You know, you can just – and then it goes up from there depending on circumstances. Mm -hmm. So – yeah, so going back to corporate was just an idea of I've got nothing else to do. 
healthcare is great, money's mm-hmm. not bad, I'll save up, you know, it's got retirement. There are all the benefits that come with having it. And I have the skills to do it. And now I have the time. And then I got lucky and unlucky that COVID hit now because I'm not stuck in Seattle anymore. Okay. I can kind of get out and go places, but I'm still stuck on the corporate schedule. But okay. there was a benefit. There was definitely a benefit to it. I have thought, like I've thought about leaving Microsoft. Like I said, I didn't want to go back to them, but actually Microsoft's changed a lot. It's a really great company to work for. The challenges that I get in the job are, they're good. Like they keep me occupied. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot to learn. I'm working with a bunch of smart people. And if I have to go to a different company or go back to freelancing, it's a lot of work. And I start, like, if I go to Google or an Amazon or something, I don't have the same seniority. I have to start at the bottom. And there's something to be said about that. But when I want to think about work-life balance, all the effort that goes into learning and starting at the bottom and building yourself back up is all the time I'm taking away from my ability to go climb. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, Microsoft's kind of an easy way out in a way. I know it. I know how it works. I already have all that built in. I just go and I just learn the new technology and I just apply, you Mm -hmm. know, myself. So then the flexibility comes more quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, as far as, I mean, you you said that you're only as transparent as you need to be. I'm sure with that is a lot of trust that you've built over all these years. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of proving oneself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how many times I've done remote work. Every team, every new manager, they're always hesitant. They don't understand. And I have to reprove myself all the time. And if I can imagine, like, I'm lucky that Microsoft promotes the work-life balance the way they do. Not all companies do. Mm. So, you know, Amazon has a reputation for being a workhorse. And Mm -hmm. you put in the time and people are, like, glad they did it. But in my my point in my life, I'm not willing to put that much time. I don't want to. I just don't want to take away from my personal satisfaction of doing what I need to do to fulfill myself. Mm-hmm. And basically, I, I view Microsoft the same way. I will do this until it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If if it's uh, if it becomes too impactful to my ability to do what I love to do, if I can't get out in the mornings and enjoy myself, if I'm too tied to the desk and deliverables, then there's no point. Mm-hmm. And I'll you know I'll survive. I, I've done it before. I know I can leave. I know I can do something different. I can go back to freelance. I can live in a van for a few years. I could just live in the van for life. I mean, it just depends on what I want. You uh-huh. know? Yeah. yeah. I have flexibility. Cool. So I'm, I'm lucky for that. Do you think the work culture is changing in a, in a lasting way from this pandemic? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that'll be so interesting to see where things land. Yeah. Yeah. There's what I've been promoting is that this, there, there will be a hybrid thing happening. And you're already seeing companies that are like, oh, my employees are working well from home. I don't even need the office anymore. Why do I want that expense? And they just close the office entirely. Hmm. So you're going to have that spectrum. But then you're going to have the other spectrum where you have the corporate offices that have all the space. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, well, we really feel like our employees innovate better when they're together. So we want them to be you know, in in the office. But we recognize that there are some people who are really effective remote and we know we save a lot of money. So maybe we need to have, I don't know what the number is, you know, some split of people who can come into the office and maybe we need more support to allow more people to work from home. Hmm. Now, COVID's uh, an interesting situation because there are people who have families where there's no daycare. And so they're caregivers, they're educating, and they're trying to work at the same time. So for them, you, they need a they need a break, uh-huh. right? They they want to get out of the house and just like someone else deal. And hopefully, at some point, all those problems get solved so that 
then they can decide, actually, I want to be closer to home. I can deal with things better here. I don't need to be in Seattle for that. I want to live actually closer to my parents in Montana or whatever. And I'm hearing a lot of that dialogue happen. And similarly, people we recruit to move here because they need to be close to the office have suddenly been quarantined. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah. They're like from India. They're from Africa. They're from, you know, Massachusetts. They're, uh -huh. they're like from all over. And here they're suddenly just trapped here. They've got no one. And so I can see a place where suddenly we're supporting people being able to be anywhere. Mm. They don't have to be even in Seattle. They can be working from home from you know, these other places. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, Satya Nadella, he's our CEO. He's been a huge proponent of our employees work better in the office, but we recognize we need to support this new hybrid model. And, you know, right now we don't know what the numbers are going to land in the, you know, will there be a vaccine? You know, there's all these questions mm -hmm. that need to be answered before they can say what percent they'll actually support, but it's definitely going to be more than they used to. Okay. Yeah. And already my team has been talking to me and they're just like, so you really want to live in Vegas? Like, we can we can work with that. Let's let's talk, you know? And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, let's talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for me, you know, Vegas is Vegas, but Vegas could be Kentucky. It's, it's as long as I'm getting the work done, I'm working the hours they need me to work. And if I want to work till midnight, that's my choice. But mm -hmm. it gives me that whole day of climbing East Coast time, you know, so I can do things that I want to do. And that for me is a huge win. And they don't need to care about that I'm in Vegas or Kentucky as long as I'm willing to do that. Mm -hmm. That's my stance on it. Yeah. They probably would think different. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. I hope that works out for you. That that's exciting. Yeah. So do you have a, you have a home in Vegas now? You you really do split time between I do the two? I do split time. It fluctuates. Okay. Um, my stuff basically goes in an apartment, into storage, into an apartment, into storage. <laughs> uh -huh. So it's in an apartment right now, uh, and I was living there all spring, and I'm here for the summer. I'm sorting out my stuff up here, and then I plan to go back maybe late August or September. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about the red? Are you fitting that in this year? Yeah, that that's a that was a wrench. I um I do need to go back to the Red River Gorge, just to, you know situationally there are things I need I would like to take care of. There are things I need to do. It would be great to spend some time and climb there. Mm -hmm. I always try to squeeze that in while I'm there, but uh, you know COVID's just really messed everything up. Mm. <laughs> if I go. You know, I'm, I have to quarantine for two weeks and oh, yeah. you know, then and then I can actually see people. I think I haven't checked the statistics lately, but the last I'd heard maybe a few weeks ago that Beattyville didn't have a case yet. So having people come from the outside to a small town like that, the biggest concern is that somebody brings it in. Mm. They don't have the best resources. The best hospitals are in Lexington. You know, Richmond's, you know, 45 minutes away. Lexington's an hour and a bit. Mm -hmm. So you really don't want to be the one, you know, to bring something like that there. But uh, I think we were talking before about the guy I partnered with on the gym there and the computer yeah, science I wanna, program. Yeah, I want to talk about that. You just yeah. kind of alluded to it, and, and you have a much stronger connection to the red now than just that's that, right. that goes way beyond climbing. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to dig into that. Yeah, that's right. So I do want to go to the red. Um, okay. You want me to talk about what's happening over there now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have a gym. I have a gym. <laughs> you accidentally a gym. started the gym. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Oh, it's. I'm so happy about it too. Um, I don't think it's open yet. I think the whole COVID thing. It's. Uh, we were open and then we had to close like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, the uh, fitness facility, the bowling alley is open, but the fitness facility and the climbing gym there is still waiting for some 
CDC, you know, regulations figure out how they're going to manage it before they they're going to open it back up. Okay, and this mm-hmm. is this is a climbing gym that you built in the Lee County Rec Center. That's right. Okay, and yeah. what was this town again? In Beattyville. Beattyville property. Yeah. Okay. So Lee County uh, is Beattyville is part of Lee County, and it's just uh, just neighboring. Is it Wolf County? So Miguel's is in. Wolf or Pell? <laughs> it's like they all. There's like a small county in between the two, but Miguel's okay. is on the outside, and uh, Beattyville is like at the junction of the 11 and 498, where you're like going to the motherload or, or mm. um, yeah, if like if you're going to the motherload, if you're going on that way, you'll go from Miguel's on the 11, take a right on the 498. Basically, if you stopped at that junction and you just looked left, there's some trees there, and there's a little blue house, and that's the Lee County Rec Center. Oh, okay, and you're in Beattyville pretty much right there, so. Yeah. What's the population of Beattyville? Oh my God, I can't remember, like 7,000. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's not that big. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty small. I think that was bigger than I was thinking based on how you just described the little blue house that's the yeah, right? community center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how did that gym come to be? Well, so I'd have to tell you that uh, the guy who helped me build it, I met him through the computer science program that I started at the high school. So, um, back in 2012, I had been looking around and with my, it's probably one of these periods where I'm like, hmm, I'm going to leave Microsoft soon. So maybe I should take it, you know, do something with the um, the opportunities that I have available to me because Microsoft does a lot for their communities and they offer a lot. And so it's just a matter of figuring out how you want to apply it. And I saw this opportunity. I spent a lot of time in the red. What can I give back? Hmm. And so I just started poking around and I did a career talk at one of the high schools. They're actually their technical, their vocational school. And, uh, you know, I started just observing that these schools have like, they had fiber, they had like these great machines, but like, what were they being taught? They were like being taught to be executive admins. Hmm. And and I have this flashback to me in high school and my dad saying like, take a typing class, you know, instead of like going to computers or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, I'm so lucky that I was able to take a computer science class and learn something on a computer rather than just like how to do letterheads and like, you know what I mean? Ex- yeah. Administrative work. And I'm just like, why? why? Why aren't they being taught something better? Hmm. And they're like, well, we don't have anyone to teach them. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, geez, how do you solve that problem, right? I can donate all the hardware I want. I can give them, you know, more infrastructure or support. You can even throw money at it. But how do you find a teacher that wants to come and live in Beattyville and teach, mm. you know, computer science? Mm-hmm. And right at that time, um, Microsoft had a program where they were trying to do this exact thing, which is put teachers with computer science skills in classrooms using industry professionals to help up-level the skills of the existing teachers. Hmm. So you take an English teacher and you would teach them computer science from an industry professional who would be teaching the kids over the course of two years, and then that teacher would then take the program on. Okay. So they had a whole curriculum, and they were like, we're looking for a pilot that's remote so they can get out of just the local schools here in Seattle. And I saw this message, and I was like, oh, I have a school for you. Uh-huh. And so I nominated the school, and they got it. Huh. And so I started working with Microsoft to bring this computer science program to this high school. And it turns out the chairman of the school board is this guy, William Owens, and he heard what I was doing and approached me at the fitness center where I was hanging out. And we started a relationship. And I've, I've been partnering with him. He's been a mentor to me. He's been just an upstanding citizen, really. Man of many hats, just wanting to do good for his community. Hmm. 
And we got this computer science program going. It's still going. And one year, like I've been telling, um, I think I mentioned that I'm at the fitness center because maybe the weather's bad and, you know, I'm hanging out for the computer science program, but I'm stuck there, but I can't climb. And so (laughs) how do I stay fit? And I'm like, wow, it'd be really great if there was a hangboard in here. It'd be really great if there's like some climbing apparatus that I could train on. And so I'd always like drop this little hint like, hey, you think there's a way I could like put something up somewhere and he's just like oh i wish we could but you know there's not a single stud in that building and the walls we have are really limited and so he knew i had this idea but we just didn't know how to do it and then two years ago he came to me and he was just like audrey i think i found a place for your gym and i was just like a gym i get a full gym (laughs) like oh i was just thinking like you know hangboard and uh, and he and he plops down this piece of paper and he's got all the dimensions he's like we're thinking it can go right here and i'm like that that's a size that's a good size for a gym yeah <laughs> yeah R- and remind me what was it it was so like an old garage or something it was um it was the loading dock the that loading they dock. had and he was told he had to enclose it now i don't remember why he had to enclose it okay but he was going to start enclosing it in january and he had approached me in november and so i looked at this and i was like i know exactly who i'm going to talk to to see about the design of this wall and i approached my friend who's built his own home walls they were great and i was like what do you think and so he did he designed the interior and January, we had it enclosed, and then I did a bunch of fundraising, and we opened in, I think it was September, early September, um, yeah, two years ago, a year and a half ago, I guess, mm-hmm. not quite two years. Yeah, and we, yeah, and I had all volunteer work, everybody who mm-hmm. came in, everyone who helped frame it, insulate it, uh, lay the flooring, and from the fundraising, we paid for a lot of the materials, we had some materials donated, and then the flooring we had to pay. That was probably our biggest expense, the flooring. Even moon climbing, like, donated the holds and the lights for the moon board. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we almost got the paneling from them, but it didn't work. <laughs> okay. But that's easy enough to build. So we, we have a moon board. And it's just a bouldering gym. My vision for it was to make it old old school climbing gym because mm. it's, it's small enough that if you do the modern day setting by colors and mm. just, like, the kind of parkour-esque setting you won't get as many people especially because it's meant for the community yeah people who don't really climb to come in and climb Mm -hmm. getting them to do tricks (laughs) you know right off the bat you're probably not going to keep them in the gym and it's probably a little too it's too much and it reduces the amount of volume that you can have on the wall right so my idea was because we don't have ropes in there i want circuits i want to be able to create circuits i want just litter that thing with holds and create problems high density then you don't have to worry about resetting all the time the setting schedule can be a lot longer and then you just have more creativity and the kids can climb on everything right Mm. there's just so many options for them and that's slowly been migrating in that direction uh more and more holds being added and staying yeah, it's been an interesting evolution. I've got um, my two friends, Marguerite and Renee, who are the head coaches and kind of work with the kids there twice a week. Mm-hmm. And we have a good group of kids that come in twice a week who just love it. And I, I go in, I check in, and I'm just like, yeah, it just it just brings my heart so much joy to watch them and, and work with them and to see how happy they are and, and just how much they thrive just coming in and climb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is just local high school kids or? They're actually young kids. Young kids, okay. Um, yep. The parents will come and bring even the little ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'll just sit on the side and they'll just watch and the kids will come in and they'll just climb around. And we get them from there all the way to the high school. And the kids, they range in their interest. Some of them are just like, we've got one girl who she wants to compete one day. 
Okay. And she's she's out with Renee and Margarita right now in Maple Canyon climbing. Oh, cool. Yeah. She's. Uh, I saw a picture they posted of her, and she's um she's on the sharp end. She's leading the climb. I was like, oh, go Westland. <laughs> so I'm super excited. That's um, awesome. So you have everyone in between. Some very casual and some very psyched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. What what is the? You said it's still close with COVID. Mm-hmm. Any idea what happens next with that? You said well, it sounds like you have to go back over there. Yeah. For... So the unfortunate thing is that, geez, it feels like about a month now. Not that long ago, uh, William had a, had a stroke and he went in the hospital. Hmm. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to go um, and be there. And with COVID, it just complicates things. So he's um, he's back home now and he's functioning. Um, I guess he's sensitive to light right now. Still a little confused, but overall good. Like I, I saw photos of him. They're breaking ground to put a new bathhouse on the property for their camp they have over at the mission that he runs. Okay. And uh, I saw him and he's with a cane or whatever, but he looks good, you know. So I've talked to him a few times, but I want to go see him. I want to spend some time. So the problem now is he's removed from... Well, not absent, but just kind of a little more removed from the day-to-day logistics of things. Mm-hmm. And he's really the strong voice because he's the director of how things are going to go. So between him and the guy who manages the rec center, uh, I think they make the decision of when they're going to open things. And the climbing part is the is the part of their facility they they know the least, mm. and that's usually where I fill in to help guide them and mm-hmm. help rec- make recommendations and suggestions about what they can do. And it's summer, and Renee and Margarita are gone, so there's really no one to manage the gym right now. So I think that's partly why they're keeping it closed. It's low season. Um, they don't want to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it. Mm. And I think if I if I can get myself to find some time and when I'm there, I can actually figure out more like what they have and what we can do. That's usually when things start to happen. Mm. But right now I've just been like, it's not a, there's, it's not like we're missing a lot of money off that center, you know? Mm -hmm. So we'll keep it closed for now and yeah, Mm. hopefully we'll have it open again by fall. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got you. As far as your own use of the facility when you've been out climbing there, when it was open pre-COVID, is that just something you use on rainy days when you have to work and, and can't get out for a while? Or, or yeah, do, are you Are so you mixing nice. in power training <laughs> during a sport climbing season or, yeah, how do you? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Since it's meant to build circuits and what have you, it's pretty easy to create a, you know, like a traverse around and, and build in a power endurance circuit if you want. And the gym... Since it's my gym, <laughs> I love that I can just go there whenever. Yeah. <laughs> so if I've got a tough work schedule, like um, I went last time I was there, I ended up being there, you know, my, when my friend Marty Vogel passed away. So I was there for almost a month and I was there for the two weeks for the opening and I was climbing with him and everything. And then two weeks later, he passed away and then mm-hmm. I went back for another two weeks. So I was there for quite an extended period, but there were a lot of things that were happening. So there's no way that I was getting outside climbing. And I just bust over to the gym, get a quick session in or whatever I need, and then I feel like I'm not losing, I'm mm. not losing ground. Yeah, so I appreciate, I really appreciate that it's there. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that in the like in the summertime, it would be the locals who would come down and they'd go climbing there. So mm. it's yeah, it's, it's got, getting some use. It's getting some use. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you ever mix in training during a, a typical sport climbing stint? 
if you're somewhere for a month or two and the weather's great and you don't have to work a ton, are you still that's, mixing in any training? <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> um, the answer can be no. I'm I just, don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> it curious. depends. It yeah. depends because I feel like when I'm out climbing a lot, if I were if I was training, I feel like it might be a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to break myself. Yeah. So when I am training, I like I don't do a lot of hangs. I don't do a lot of finger stuff. And I'm mostly doing conditioning just to keep the rest of my body like fit and kind of in tune. Okay. And when I'm out climbing a lot, then it's just climbing. Okay. Yeah. I find that that works better for me. And then it's just, it's like that warm up routine or like here and there, there's a little bit of things thrown in, but it's not by far any kind of a training routine. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Much reduced. Gotcha. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting to me that you kind of accidentally started a climbing gym and that it, you told me another really interesting story when we climbed together last week about kind of accidentally becoming a climbing coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell me about Is that? Is this the China thing? Yeah, tell me yeah. about the China thing. Oh my God. <laughs> that was so fun. You've mentioned um, that you work with China uh, yeah. so, for Microsoft. Yeah. So Microsoft's great. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I have had the privilege of being able to live in China for three months for them. You know, mm. I don't know how else I would have done that, really. And uh, and because I knew I was there for work, and I wasn't sure how much I'd get out for climbing. And I'm, I'm in this town called Suzhou, which is like two hours west of Shanghai. And just not really, it's not really in the mountains, not near Yangshuo. And, and getting around China is like, you know, trains and cabs and yeah, I don't speak the language. I can't read the language. And it's it's really daunting for me to think that I'm just going to go to Yangshuo. Let me just go there by myself and mm-hmm. just figure it out. You know, it's kind of, it's a bit overwhelming. So I, I didn't really explore a whole lot. But I did find a gym. And I'd found it on some business trips. And I actually befriended the owner of the gym, who turns out to have been the uh, national like the national team captain for the Chinese national team, okay. the national climbing team. Mm-hmm. And he's super strong, really talented. And he tries to groom uh, athletes. And I think the the Chinese national athlete, I should have looked up his name. I'm going to screw it up. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. he's, uh, he's one of his students anyway. And he's he's in the World Cups. You'll see his name out there. Currently. Yeah, currently. Okay. Or at least pre-COVID. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, he has a small gym. And when I walked in the gym, I'm like, well, it's kind of like my, my gym. You know, it's small enough. You got to make the most of what you have. Mm. So it's not going to be a gym that you're going to climb like the fancy gyms, like with the really big walls and everything like that. So I looked at it and I'm like, well, all right, this is going to be a training gym. I'm going to have to find a way to train. And so I made friends with a Chinese Canadian, thankfully, because he speaks English and most nobody else did. (laughs) So my communication over there was like very, very compromised. But uh, with a combination of meeting this guy and the owner of the gym meant like, well, cool, I have people to climb with, maybe we can train together and motivate each other and what have Mm -hmm. you. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. So I started, I I mapped it out. Like I was like, here's the three months I'm here. Here's how we can like do this and progress. And I kind of knew their abilities. And I was like, I was worried that Mr. Leo, like he wouldn't he wouldn't benefit because he's so strong. I was like, what is he okay. going to get out of this, you know? But he was like, no, don't worry about me. Let's just do it. And I ran the program across him, too. I was like, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it looks great. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Let's do it. So we start training. And the first day we're there, and I'm like, 
I think of four people we were going to train, me and three others, right? Mm-hmm. And then as I'm going through the warm up and everything, I'm noticing like he's calling in like everyone from the gym to like join us. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So the first couple of times this happens, I'm like, sure, I guess. But then we keep repeating everything because I'm like, there's new people every time. Okay. So I'm like, well, how am I going to progress in this training if I'm just, you know, teaching all the time and plus how am I going to climb <laughs> so so I'm like I'm not going to train I'm just going to end up coaching well I can't really ask what's going on because of the language barrier okay but I did ask my friend who spoke English and I was like well so is this what I can expect and he's just like yeah well you know he's just being friendly and he's offering everybody opportunity and I'm like okay that's that's fine I guess I'll just run with it somehow and so by the end of the three months I literally had the entire gym training with me. And not like you would think like, oh, organized and everything. No, no, no. They drop in when they drop in. They leave when they leave. You know, some people participate in the drills. Some people don't. So I'm just like thinking, how do I break up this? And I'm like, are you doing the drill? Are you not doing the drill? How many people are we talking? There's like 30 people. (laughs) Like, And I'm like, I have no idea who I'm coaching and who I'm not. (laughs) Just like, or who's doing what part of it. Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting, but... In the warm-up, we would do it outside, and the gym has this little corridor, and that corridor would be full of people. I have pictures of just all of us, and he, all oh the kids gosh. would come in, and he would they would just line up and imitate, and I was like, I don't have therabands for everybody. <laughs> like, like, So we just air mime stuff, and I was like, well, huh. I don't – whatever, right? Like, it's better than nothing. And so people would just – they just join an air mime. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. Now we're going to get on the wall, and I would start with, like – a technique practice and then we do some drills and then we do some like circuit work or some sort of uh, targeted training and then we do a cool down and everything was like in terms of timing that part was regimented mm. in terms of like did you do the whole warm-up I don't know and I'm not going to care because I can't <laughs> I can't monitor everybody because right. I'm doing it too yeah so what happened was I would leave work early and in this case, I was working at 6 a.m. because actually sometimes a little earlier because of meetings with Redmond. So I'd get up super early and then do all those meetings and have a small break in the mid-morning, go to the office, and then I work until 4. And then I would go to the gym, do the whole training myself by myself. <laughs> okay. And then do it again with them because I was worried that, oh, that I never funny. knew if I was going to be able to do the training uh-huh. because I'd just be coaching all the time. Yeah. So it sounds all like, great, you know, you're coaching these people. I'm like, but you have to understand, I can't speak the language. Mm-hmm. So how do you coach people when you can't tell them like, okay, you're done or no, start this or do it this way. And I, my limited Chinese, like I had them doing a circuit where they're on the wall for a period of time and then off the wall resting and then on the wall or something like this. And I split them into two groups. And I was like, okay, the first group will go, and the second group will rest, and then the second group will go, and the first group will rest, and this will you'll alternate. And I, I start them, and, and uh, I look up at the wall, and I'm like, everyone is on the wall. And I was like, <laughs> well, you, I mean, the point of splitting you up is so you have room, but now everyone's like crowding. It. Like, I just laughed, and I'm like, well, I can't stop it. Like, <laughs> just let it go. <laughs> and so then everyone would be done, and they'd sit there. And then I would get on the wall, and I'd be the only one on the wall. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they all learned from watching you. I don't know. (laughs) So it was fun. It was was quite the experience. And in the end, all these 30 people showed up for my farewell, and everyone was really teary-eyed. I was really teary-eyed. Oh, that's amazing. Despite the language barrier, we had been able to communicate and connect Mm. in a way that 
I guess it's just human, like people, mm. right? And and that meant so much. And so the joke now is that, that, you know, at the end I left in December 13th and I didn't know when I was coming back, but I was most likely coming back for business in the spring, probably definitely in May. And uh, the whole chant was like China 2020. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, not going to happen. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe not this time around. <laughs> yeah. Check back in next year. That's right. That's right. But it sounds like they're uh, up until COVID, they were still doing it. They so after I left, <laughs> they would send me these video clips, and they would like because I had my I have an app on my phone that has it all the timers like pre-programmed in it. Okay. And so I would run off my phone the timers, but I saw them, and somebody had put a clock up, and you could see the timer counting down. Oh my gosh! And I was like, oh my god, they're doing my training! Yay! That's awesome. <laughs> but now the gyms closed for a period with COVID, quite like they are here. Mm-hmm. And there, there may be a month or maybe six weeks ahead of us, if you will. Okay. I mean, it's hard to say ahead of us now because of the way we're handling it versus the way they handled it. Right. And so maybe they're even further ahead than we are, given that we have this second wave happening. But the gyms were open. And when they opened, people started going back. And right away, I was getting these messages of just like, well, we started your training again. <laughs> like, And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm really, yeah, I'm impressed and I'm really excited for them. And I just af- asked them, I'm like, well, if you need any help or any questions, just let me know. And I try to support them. Yeah, it's good. That's great. It's fun to see. You mentioned uh, the warm up and the circuits. What were some of the targeted training things that you would do with them um, or that you do for yourself? Yeah. Well, I have a I have a targeted warm up. It's kind of like a Tabata style warm up. Okay. Um, it's a bit like you can use that just for conditioning if you wanted. And mix it up somewhat, but it's mostly to get the heart rate up and get all the joints moving and loose. Mm. That's the point of it. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't go hard. Don't need to add weights. You know, you just do it in a rhythm. It's not meant to be like, I have to get to 100 steps right here. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want it to be super high intensity. Just just go with it. Get the right? blood do flowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, and it can actually, like, it tires... Uh, Mr. Leo, the owner of the gym, mm-hmm. when the first time he did that, when he was giving my farewell speech... Part of what he said was the first day he started my training, he did the warm up. He felt like he was going to throw up after (laughs) just from the warm up. And I was like, oh, gosh. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, But the warm up, once you've gotten adapted to it, it's it's very effective. Mm. And then from there, the technique practice, the drills, I think. I always come back to even myself. Anytime I'm doing clinics, there's the example I draw on is. Uh, for I think it was a Red Rock Rendezvous. One year, they split the clinics into four segments. So you had four different groups you were going to get over the course of two days, two groups a day. And sometimes they've done like one group for half a day, right? So now there's these two groups. I think it was like this, two groups or four. I don't know. Anyway, I had multiple groups I had to deal with. And we had the same climb. So I just sat out there waiting for the groups to get shuttled in. And this climb was this 100-foot-long kind of slab climb called Ultraman. Okay. And it's at, at the first pullout, I believe. Okay. And uh, it's great, but it's slab. Mm-hmm. I hate slab. <laughs> <laughs> so so the first year that I get it, I'm like, hey. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, slab requires footwork, which is great. So I can teach footwork. So we have to stand on our feet, you know, shift your weight and... So I do this like for two straight days with all, you know, repeating the drills over and over again for them. And then I go climbing and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like my footwork's amazing. Wow, <laughs> like, interesting. Like I'm really in tune with it. Hmm. So it just 
highlighted to me how effective the drills are and how necessary they are. It's like, it doesn't matter how many years you've been climbing, just go back to fundamentals and you mm. will like peel another layer away. You'll uncover something. You'll, you've, you'll just learn that you've just gotten a little lazy maybe in the way you, you use your feet or, you know, as, in this example. And that if you just put a little focus on it, like, oh my gosh, like, right. You know, I'm really on my feet. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm using them even more than I did before. And it's like, I think that's great. So the drills and techniques are a way to kind of come back to fundamentals. They're a great way to just stimulate. For me, like power is my weakness. So I'm always working power. So I'm trying to do things that tap into the power in an easier aspect than just doing pre or raw power on like really hard roots, right? So in the gym, I'll take your V0s and V1s and V2s and I'll be practicing power moves on them. And the holds are friendlier. The body positions get manageable. And, you know, I'm still working my power aspect, like, tapping into it waking it up okay without overdoing it just doing like explosive movements on mm-hmm. easier climbs yeah exactly interesting yeah okay it's a way that you would get a beginner to do it but you yeah. can you can tweak those in a way that's effective for someone who's even not a beginner okay and i think that it works really well interesting mm-hmm. you mentioned the the moon board is i mean do you use conventional like limit bouldering and things like that for power as well or is it I should. Okay. <laughs> probably, well, th- well, this is really interesting. But I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I find like. I mean, what you're doing has worked really well. So I'm yeah. really, I'm really curious about that. Yeah. The like, I love the moon board. I wish I could do it more. Yeah. Um, but like, I hurt my hamstring two years ago, and it's pretty aggressive on the legs. I find that some, like even the limit bouldering, like doing just really hard moves, they're super tweaky, or they have the potential to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm nervous about getting injured. So. I don't know. I should do more. I should try more, but I just shy away from it just mm-hmm. for that reason. So, mm. Okay. So you train power on easier climbs. I train just... power on easier climbs. That doesn't mean I don't do harder boulders. Okay. It's just so you... my, like the drills are like when I'm focused on trying to wake mm. those that aspect up, I'll start on the easier stuff and I'll definitely do some volume there before like jumping on like limits and okay. you know trying just super ridiculously hard moves gotcha mm-hmm. okay and you said that you don't do much uh finger strength training no i haven't you just, just through climbing because mm-hmm. you have very strong fingers i need to get them better interesting okay <laughs> i always feel like i can do better but yeah the hangboards um i just don't you know a lot of the training i do is off the wall because i don't want to hurt my joints i just don't i need them to last as long as possible mm. so I, it's not that I discourage doing them. I think if you're doing pure hangboard training, like you will have strong fingers. I definitely have seen it. I'm just choosing not to do pure hangboard training because mm-hmm. I prefer to climb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. What do you think holds back your climbing most now? Oh, just that I haven't been doing it. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I tweaked a finger maybe two months ago. Okay. And so I backed off and I've only just started coming back again. So I feel that I had really good fitness and I was, my trajectory was really good mm-hmm. just leading up to it. And then I was doing like a really aggressive uh, pocket problem. Mm. And the move that I was going through was kind of like a threader thing. And I was just trying to go dynamic to it before I discovered there's a knee bar that helps you get into it. Is this in Vegas? It was in Vegas. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think I was just trying that move so much to figure out how to latch it. And I was just loading, like shock loading that finger a lot. Mm. And so the lateral ligament just got strained. So they take a long time to heal. Mm -hmm. And it was just feeling better. And then I think I've just been climbing on it a little too much recently. 
so it's a little inflamed today. Mm-hmm. So I'm just taking it easy. But um, yeah, I think part of my just getting volume, just getting out there and having time on the wall. That's okay. end of my mental state. I think my head is not in it right now. Hmm. So sometimes that happens, you know? Yeah. So as I'm, far as psych and motivation and drive or? Um, it's the try hard. The try hard. Yep, the try hard. Okay. Like I'm, I'm trying, but I can tell. Like mm. I'm not bringing it. It's not 100% there. Hmm. It's kind of like the, well, but I could give up right now. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel that in my head and I'm just like, hmm, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm just not, go. I also don't have something I'm really going for right now. Yeah. So I'm feeling like, what I have available to me and I'm exploring new cliffs around. I'm just trying to get my fitness up, get my fitness up, maybe get my psych up. Uh, there's a climate world wall two. I might be psyched on. So I might give it a go. See if it, see if it's exciting and okay. if I want to do it. But there's a couple other places I'd like to go. Like love to climb in Mazama, never climbed out there. Mm. Some things out there. One of my friends does some root development around and he's introduced me to some cliffs and I'm like, Oh, these are fun. And mm. also have some hard things on it. So that could, be interesting cool yeah mix it up a little bit okay yeah if i'm not attached to a project i feel like i'm free to go do those things but when i'm attached to a project i'm just like no i just want to go get this thing before i like get too you know distant from it what helps you get to that place where you feel like you're bringing it where you're bringing everything is it having a project like that or some of it is uh being psyched on the project like just wanting it some of it is i would say like my life circumstance like how how am i like Mm. in general so can can i do i have the ability to tap in and bring it out and uh, sometimes if that's not there like there's no there's no turning it on when i'm up there Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah i think a combination of those things just really wanting it being psyched about it and then having my life kind of in a place to be ready to like dig deep and give it okay Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about the sickness I could talk about the sickness. Okay. I love that route. <laughs> so the sickness is the most recent 514 that you did. Yeah. This is, uh, you sent that in August, August last year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it was rad. Yeah. <laughs> so this is at World Wall Two at yeah. Little Sai. Yeah. Tell me about that one. Yeah. Actually, I remember uh, this guy, Eric Sox, he puts a lot of time out at that wall, fixing oh, it up, rebolting. Yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> did all the work for the platforms and everything, making it super friendly. And I remember him saying to me one year, he's like, Audrey, you just got to try the sickness. Like, it's so anti-style for you. It'd be good. And what he meant by that was like, it's just a lot of one-arm burl. <laughs> like, okay. It's just like pull, 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 right? It's not like uh, World War One where you like pull these cruxes and get a rest and pull these cruxes and get a rest. It's kind of sustained. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it has, like, there's a move at the start. It's like, I don't know, 50%, 30% that I fall there every time. Wow. <laughs> so when I nail that thing, it's almost like, okay, I've got, it's like right off the start, right? Right. So if I nail that, it's like, okay, I got to get the rest. <laughs> like, <laughs> Literally like yeah. pulling onto the route, right? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So you've got that rope ladder start, which is just sketchy. Uh-huh. And then you like, so you do this like either free solo or set it, right? Most of the time I'm free soloing it. Get up, get psyched, pull that move. Yeah. And then you just kind of go and you get to the first break, which is like, they've given it now a name, that first pitch, if you will. The, the, the quickness. quickness. Yeah. yeah. And the you get 13 the 13 A or B. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't and ask to, me. To paint a picture, the cliff is kind of undercut in such a way that you have to climb a rope ladder That's 15 right. feet or so That's and then right. clip a couple bolts and then you start climbing. That's right. Yeah. 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 And the scariest part, it's like the scariest <laughs> part of the day is climbing that damn rope ladder. <laughs> I know. God. There's, there's one where I'm just like, I think I need to stretch more to get my foot to get up into the rung. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I thought I was flexible. I couldn't believe how sketchy it felt the first couple of times. I, yeah, <laughs> I right? That. Yeah. Yeah. So you get the quickness, but you get to the chains of the quickness and you're just like, okay, I've got two nice, decent holds, but they're not really like, you can't really rest and shake and just mm-hmm. get psyched for the second pitch. So you kind of bust up into the second section. And, and I'm like, I really like this first section. It's it's just the movement's just really cool. Yeah. But that second section is just brilliant. It just flows. Oh, my gosh. The moves are awesome. And the crux, the red point crux, the last bit, I actually was like, oh, my gosh, I might not be able to do this route because I just can't reach this hold. How the heck am I going to like... You know, and so I, I played with this as like these underclings and you've got this big move and you have to kind of stab dead point to a pocket and you're supposed to get it with your right hand. I know this, but I'm like, that's <laughs> never going to happen. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to figure out like, well, how do I, you know, you don't have a lot of feet options when you're working with underclings and the last foot you have is like way low. I'm like, I don't have a lot of options, but I'm trying to be creative about it. And I think Eric was there the day. Maybe he was even belaying me the day I figured out a sequence. Hmm. And I was like, well, I can't get it with my right. What happens if I get it with my left? Like, I'm totally out of sequence now, but can it make something work? Mm-hmm. And I really love this sequence because I get the undercling, shuffle it up, you know, as high as I can. And then I end up backstepping on this little foot by the bolt. It's just the wrong direction, right? You can't step on it uh, top-wise. You have to, like, press into it kind of like you were, like, gastoning your foot, right? So you drop okay. me down. And uh, and I just press into that, and it just seems super insecure, but it's just enough for me to, like, stab with the left. And I get into this pocket, and then I have to do this crazy to get back into sequence. I've got to, like, hold on to this little pocket. It's probably, like, a pad deep. Mm-hmm. So three-finger, two, three-finger pad deep, if I can remember correctly. And then I, like, have to, like yard off that guy to hike my feet super high under me so i'm falling away from the wall on this pocket right and then crossing around with the right hand to get this really nice side pull okay and i like i fell there a couple times i mean just like because you're just falling away and i'm i'm standing up there and i'm like reaching around like, <laughs> off the wall i am right uh-huh. and so the day I sent that thing the whole bottom part just came together i was like nice it felt good and I got to the scary part. And plus, you're high above your bolt, so you're like trying not to think about that. I get that back step, drop knee, and I reach up and get the pocket. And I'm like, all right, you know. And I, I here we go. Pull my feet up, cross yeah. along. I'm falling away, and as I'm falling away, I just just catch it. Oh and man. And I'm like, pull myself back in, and yeah. I like reset on it. And I hadn't even figured out like what's the best clipping position here. Like I have no idea. But I was oh, like, wow. no, because I'm like, it could be here, it could be here. I'm just, I might have to climb past it. Like I don't know how pumped I'm gonna be. Okay. Okay. So I get into this thing and I'm just like, I'm clipping here <laughs> like, and clip this thing. And then I'm like, you know, I don't have that scary fall anymore. I know what's coming. Just have to commit and just keep it together. And I just pulled it off. And I was like, oh, my God, did that just happen? Like, <laughs> it was amazing. And then there's a link up. I think it's from... Um, is it Renaissance the 12B? Yeah. And then you cross over and then you do that second portion because Black I was plague. like... Yeah, Black Plague. Yeah, so yeah. you do that... Um, that route 
And then you get the benefit of doing that upper pitch. And I was like, I'm going to do that. So I just fired that thing off. Oh, you did that after the sickness? Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, that's after the great. sickness, I did that one. I'm the person that always takes the stepwise progression oh, yeah. through, through all the different root <laughs> combos, you know? I'm like, oh, it makes sense to do that one. And then I'll do this link up thing over here. And then obviously I'll combine the two hardest parts and try to do the hard thing. Oh, nice. It's probably backwards strategy. Well, I don't know. But now I'm convinced that I should do everything off of the climbs that I've done while I remember the beta. <laughs> so, <laughs> Milk so, them for all they're worth. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, and now there's one link up I haven't done that I'm trying to do this season. And okay. it, it means relearning the quickness, which I've done now. I've resent the quickness and I've, I've linked into the section. But there's a super in-your-face powerful move off of the the jug kind of that jug out right if mm -hmm. you remember and then you kind of bust up and you, know, you have this really nice hold but your feet are really crap so you're it's not mm. like you're sitting there like recovering what's the name it's called the wetness i think it is the no wet the wetness maybe it's called the wetness okay yeah i'll fact check it I'll look yeah it so up. you go up the quickness and you cut over right and then you finish up on um reformation I think okay the, the, the direct finish above renaissance that's right okay yeah yeah what does that go at i think it's 13 c the I thing you're so. doing yeah okay yeah yeah, I mean, it, it feels freaking hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels hard. But yeah, it's going to be great fitness. And then I'm relearning Drill Sergeant, so I can do another link up out there. Okay. It's on the left wall. and um, 13B. The, that's right, that 13B. And, and there's that Eagle Scout thing, which is like links into the cruxes of that thing. And I'm not a big link up person, but... Mm -hmm. It's COVID and there's not a lot of options. So uh -huh. I'm like, Good training just, anyway. Let me, yeah, let me just get some training in. And so I, I've relearned the, the cruxes now and I think I'm going to try Eagle Scout. And then I was really looking at this route. Um, oh my gosh, now the name is going to escape me, but it's to the left of it, two routes down. Okay. Just to the right of the arete. Mm. It kind of ends on the same route as the, as the arete. Unsung Heroes, maybe. That sounds right. Yeah. And uh, I met this guy, Kevin, out the wall. He's like, one of these strong guys who's come out three weeks into the season and he sends the sickness and now he's working that route. And he's <laughs> Kevin like, Erickson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good so, friend. Yeah. So yeah. He, uh, he was talking about it and I was asking him, how's it going? Was it, what do you think? Or what do you think about doing this line or something like that? And so, yeah, you know, then I'll have a project, something to keep me motivated or at least interested in being out at that wall. Yeah. So there's a lot to do that's kind of kind of hard out there so. yeah yeah there's plenty <laughs> it'll keep me busy <laughs> good yeah. that's cool so it's it's interesting to me that it had been like a four-year gap between the sickness and your previous yeah 14 because yeah. was the last one lost before that i think so okay yeah. so lost horizons in 2015 and then yeah. the sickness in 2019 i feel like there's an injury in there well there's the okay. hamstring injury that i just came off of and I did, I went into the world cup so i was doing oh you did i was competing in between so okay that's probably what that. happened after it lost. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That was a big part of like, I used to, you know, Bill Ramsey down in Vegas. He was yeah. just like, Audrey, you need to just stop competing and like, just climb outside. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know, but I really love competing. So I wanted to do it. So okay. I spent a lot of my energy, like training for comps or trying to do the comps, which mm. would take time from being outside. But I, to me, the competition scene was like its own sport. It's like a different way sure. of thinking about climbing and there was nowhere else that I brought so much, like I had to perform on the spot and deliver perfectly right then, right? And that kind of demand, you just don't put on yourself anywhere else. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, to put yourself under that pressure and then be able to be calm and bring that energy on demand. There's so much to learn there. And yeah. I just really enjoyed that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. So I think between Lost and the sickness, I did, I tried to do the whole circuit. So I went out and did the comp, uh, the World Cups in Europe. And then I pulled my hamstring really bad. Mm. And then I was out of climbing for pretty much a year, a year and a half. Dang. So I'd just come back from climbing when I did the sickness. So, okay. Yeah. And this is, so that was, I just started hiking and running and then climbing. And then after I did that, I thought, okay, I went to China and I was like, I think I can climb, like train now. So I just started doing some training, but mostly because I couldn't climb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I was thinking the season would be like, you know, kill or I could go after it. And COVID happened and I'm like, well, you know, maybe not go after it, but, you know, just see what I can do. So that's where I am now. Got you. Okay. <laughs> so China and, and accidentally becoming a climbing coach that was all after that was just this last that's winter. just happened this last fall got it yeah. this last fall yeah. okay uh was there any specific prep for the sickness nope okay yeah <laughs> no just getting back I in just shape went out and there doing and i was and... like you know do the warm-ups and then like try the quickness i was climbing with uh this guy here is uh zachary lashelber i okay. don't know if you know him he's super motivated mm. super motivated and he's really strong and he just lacks experience in climbing. So he hasn't, like, his pyramid isn't really uh, deep. Mm -hmm. But uh, because he's so motivated, he kind of, like, jumps around a little bit. So he was like, I'm going for the sickness. You know, he'd just done, I think, his first 13B. And, I Dang. Mean, I know, right? <laughs> motivated. <laughs> That's so he, awesome. So he was like, he wanted to go to World War II. And I was like, I'll go to World War II. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so sick of World War One. <laughs> so... We would go out there, and uh, he was, like, trying to get on the sickness, and I was like, well, fuck it, I'll get on it, too. Sweet. So, um, so yeah, I got on it, and uh, we started working it, and he was, you know, because he doesn't have a lot of experience, he lacks some technique and, like, just focus or breathing or just the little nuances that really come together when you're doing hard roots that mm. you, you kind of need to come together, mm -hmm. and he's just discovering them as he goes, so... Yeah, he was having a really hard time kind of putting it together, but he kept going out there and trying, and I was really grateful, and I decided I would try it with him. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I started trying it, and then I was like, oh, actually, I could do this. <laughs> like, yeah. And then I, and then he, he gave up because he was like, maybe I need to, like, you know, get more under my belt and, uh -huh. like, build out that pyramid a bit more. So he backed off and started doing some other uh, different routes and um, I started having to hunt for people to go back out there because I'm okay. like no I really want to get this thing and yeah and then I was able to get it so yeah I didn't uh, do any specific prep it was just kind of an accident that I was like well it's here and I've always you know said I would try the lower thing so I should just try it mm -hmm. yeah that's how it started <laughs> okay it's interesting to me you've done four five fourteens now yeah and all of them at little Sai. I know and you travel a lot you you know you live a big chunk of the year down in Vegas and the Red River Gorge is that I don't know it, I mean are you do you have goals do you yes. have five, five fourteens <laughs> that you're trying in these I, other places uh, um well I did start trying a 14 over at Potosi uh, mom Potosi okay the climb I was trying that's the one I kind of tweaked my finger on got it and when I, you talked about the threader and the knee bar I was like I wonder if that yeah, it was that one yeah <laughs> well I thought Potosi I don't know the roots Potosi. up there but yeah um and that one, like, it has a pretty stout intro boulder problem. And I hadn't, like, I had tried this some years ago, and I wasn't able to do the boulder problem or figure it out. 
And then Johnson Segrist was up there and I was like, you mind if I just video you doing this Mm. intro? And I wish I had videoed him on the whole route because as it turns out, like the whole route is a bit nuanced. And uh, I thought like before I had figured out the whole mid and upper section. And so I figured I would just figure that out again and that I just wanted to see the beginning. So I only filmed the beginning Mm. and I studied it and I was like, okay, I see what he's doing. And I went out and a couple of tries and I actually did the boulder problem. And I was like, sweet. Nice. So I got really psyched on the route. So then I, but then um, he goes dynamic to the threader and I was trying it dynamically to the threader. I, I don't know what knee bar people were talking about or whatever. Okay. But Ronald has been up there and he was like, no, Audrey, seriously, everyone's using a knee bar. You just got to find it. Uh-huh. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. I'll spend more time. <laughs> so I did finally find this. I was like, oh my God, I think I found it. <laughs> and it does make all the difference in being able to get that threader. You okay. can just pretty much get it statically. Cool. Yeah. But then you really have to load it and, and do moves. So I was trying that 14. Again, just for fitness, I wasn't like thinking I, the window to do it was so small when what, I started it. What's the name again? Mompodacy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, so I walked away from it, but uh, also I hurt my finger on it. So mm-hmm. I now I don't think it would be a problem because now I know how to get into the threader. So I wouldn't be like doing this dynamic move trying to hold on to the threader like that. Mm-hmm. And then... Freaking Jonathan. See, he's so strong. Bunk, bunk beta. Come on, dude. <laughs> he was climbing that thing. You and guys are just probably like, a similar height, right? Well, I'm 5'2". He's taller oh, okay. than me, definitely. You're 5'2". Okay. I know. I know. Everybody's just like, really? Climb longer. I'm like, well, I have long limbs. <laughs> you're so lean. Maybe you look taller because you're lean. Maybe. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Huh? Um, Jonathan was climbing that and Honol was bullying him. And he was just like, oh, this thing feels hard. And and Honol's just like, yeah, well, it's a 5'14". Like, it should feel hard. <laughs> But he was he was doing some roof uh, extension thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was it was cool to capture that and and have that beta from him. So very awesome. thankful. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> but I did have a goal. I still have a goal uh, because these are all here. I want to do a fourteen somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to do one actually in like the Frankenura or somewhere proper where someone can't be like, oh, well, that's like a Red River Gorge enduro thing. You know, <laughs> everyone's got something, oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, well, if I do one in Europe and, you know, it's proper 14, like for me, like that's kind of a stamp. I was like, yes, you, yeah. you, you can do it. Do you not feel like you've already accomplished that at Little Psy? Like yeah, Little Psy is savage. <laughs> I think so. You <laughs> the know? ones you've done are stout. Like they're hard. Yeah. Like, like Dr. Evil. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Love that route. But I still think, first of all, I still have ambitions. Like, I, I think, oh gosh, if I say this, like, I don't want to put it, it out there, but do it. <laughs> you do put it. it out there. I have this goal that I want to do La Rambla. Like, I've wanted to do it for years. Hell yeah. I, I remember being in Sierrana and watching UG on it, and I met him over at um, uh, Tony Arbelez's place, whatever that is, right by the uh, Refugio or whatever. And uh, we had dinner with him at Paella. I was talking to him, and I was just oh, starry eyed. I mean, love UG. And I remember his journey with that route. And I remember going out there and looking at it and just looking up and being like, if one day I could even touch something like that. Hmm. So it's still on my mind, you know, mm-hmm. and it might be a dream, but I never thought I would do 514 either. So mm-hmm. I didn't think I would do 512 at one time, you know, so never say never, right? I don't want to shut myself down before I've even tried. So I want to, it's out there. So I want to do a 14 somewhere else. I want to build my pyramid. I want to just do more of these. And I feel like when I'm in shape, you know, like the 13s, I'm able to do more of. I'm able to onsite, you know, low 13. So, okay, you know, it's coming. I'm not somebody who is super ambitious who would be like, well, I can jump from 14 to 15. 
I don't know if that's the right decision or not a right decision. But for me, I know what my fitness is. And I feel like when I'm in shape, I'll try anything. Why not? Mm. But if I'm not feeling it, like right now I'm not feeling it. I'm like, okay, let me go back. You know, let me go back down. So I'm just doing a bunch of 13s, like just get my base back, get my head back, um, get the fitness back. And then I'll go, you know, try my 14 or whatever. Yeah. So that's kind of my approach. But yeah, I do still have goals. I do want to do, I do want to do more. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm capable of doing more. Totally. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Do you have another 514 in mind for Little Sai? I think it, it might be the Unsung Heroes. I want to check that out. Okay. Is that 14A? I think it's 14A. Okay. <laughs> we'll fact check. I got it. Yeah, it might yeah. still be settling. I, I don't know if it's been done by very many people. It's I probably only got a couple of cents at this point. Yeah. So, okay. As far as the ones you've done so far, I'm curious, how deep have you gone into projecting so far? Like how, how long have those taken? Has it been all over the place? Have they taken similar, you know, similar yeah, efforts? That's the thing. Um, they haven't taken that long. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't say they came quick. Like, I didn't do them within the first two tries or something like that. Mm-hmm. I definitely put some time into them. But the one I but think not I... like hundreds of tries. No. Yeah. No, no, no. The one that took me the longest, I think, and it really still wasn't that long because the way I approached it, um, I tried Dr. Evil. And when I was going for it, uh, the first year, you know, I thought the lower section was pretty heinous. It's really thin. And it was like kind of sequential in a way and and then i got to the crux and i like pff, baffled couldn't figure out how to get through the crux at all mm. so i was like okay well table that so i, I tried it like a couple times and then like just that just wasn't going to be it then the next season i came in and i tried the lower section i was like oh my god these crumbs are heinous i can't even hold on to them it's like mm-hmm. wow and then i get to the crux and i'm like i don't know like still no new information can't figure it out i'm like oh it, the whole thing feels ridiculous i'm like not this season so one year, couple tries. Next year, you know, one try. Third year, I'm like looking at this thing. I'm like, well, <laughs> let's just see. Mm-hmm. And I go up and I'm like, okay, crimps aren't too bad. I get into the crux. I'm like, mm, still no new information, but I actually think I can figure something out. Like, hmm. I, I don't know what gave me that idea, but I did. And uh, yeah, I, I got this like funky beta. And I had asked, I saw Brett's video and I was just like, oh my God, but Brett's so tall. Like, how am I going to, hmm. how am I going to pull that move? And uh, I was trying everything I could think of and I just couldn't figure out how to get through this section. And finally, I I just like, I don't even know how it came to me. It just like kind of mantled onto these two like edges. And I was just like, that's crazy. But it allowed me to get my feet up so that I could get taller. Hmm. So I could actually reach the holds I needed and then be able to establish and then get in, you know, move along mm-hmm. and i was just like that's so cool so i unlocked the crux and all of a sudden i was like i gotta go for it nice yeah <laughs> yeah so you know that took three years and in that season i don't know i gave it a few tries you know and the day that i sent it i remember mikey williams i don't know if you know mikey williams from the new river i've never Gorge. met him no i know i'm well familiar with his name but i've never yeah, met Mikey. great guy yeah he's out there uh one day and the girl i was climbing with um chelsea she was like she was climbing. We were, you know, I was having like a rough day or whatever and it's kind of not into it. And I'd given it two goes and I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my, my whole mental state was just kind of low. And I was yeah. like, eh, maybe I'll just walk away. And I'm just sitting there and she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I guess I should try again. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> completely just like not really motivated or into it. Didn't really have this like belief system about how well the previous attempts went or anything. It was just like you know, I do this to myself. I just, sometimes I just don't give myself the opportunity to try. Hmm. So I was like, so yeah, why don't I just try? 
and I sent. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, oh my oh God. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad oh I God. tried. What just happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I was talking to Mikey Williams. He was talking I was he was just like, that's so rad, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't know, have you tried this? He was like, Yeah, that thing's hard. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so kind of reaffirmed because I was just like, Well, maybe it, I don't know, maybe it was a fluke or whatever, but like I pulled it off. I couldn't believe it. And then yeah. you did a harder a harder version of it. Right? And then there's a yeah, well again I, I learned like gotta milk it. You gotta milk it. Yeah. <laughs> Get those points, right? So I, uh, I did, I did the Doctor Evil, and then there's like uh, an extension that went into this 13C thing, um, and I just fired that thing off too. Cool. Just try to get it over with. It's like <laughs> I don't have to, because the thing is, you walk away from something that's cryptic like that. Even mm. like I'm learning at World War Two, it takes a bit to figure it out again. Mm-hmm. And if it's straight, like Lost wasn't super super cryptic. All the holds were there, the moves were there, the very powerful. I could make them up. I think. You know, Drew commented on one section. He's like, oh, you could probably do it this way instead. And I was like, yeah, I think I tried that. But, you know, the length for me to have to do that was just more powerful than I wanted to do. Okay. So I was able to find another way to, like, just kind of get to the same point. But there was nothing in it that was like, I don't really know how I'm ever going to do this route because how the heck do I get through this blank section? Mm. Or how do I reach that, you know? Mm -hmm. There, There wasn't like that. But on Dr. Evil, there definitely was. So I'm glad I did, like everything off of it that I could uh-huh. at the time <laughs> so I wouldn't have to go back and relearn it gotcha. or figure it out. Mm-hmm. How many tries are we talking on these things? Like you said three years, but I mean, not really. It wasn't really. Like two tries, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, like a couple tries one, one try of that year. Yeah, and then yeah. That season, I probably went out and tried it over the course of a few weeks. So wow. A couple, yeah. A couple tries over the course of a few weeks every whatever, figure I'm out at least two or three days uh-huh. in a week or something like that. 10, 10 to 20, something. I don't know. I can't and, even guess yeah. to me. But yeah. yeah, it's not hundreds. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. That's awesome. How know, deep... I've been very fortunate. You know, you say something about... Or you, you mentioned uh, La Rambla as like a, a big dream, and I'm sure you have other, you know, big ones. How deep do you think you'd be willing to go into crazy project land? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I should just do it. You okay. Know, just like... In order, I mean, I can't do it with COVID right now. You can't travel or anything. But this is a great example of like, you don't know when something like this is going to happen. 2020 has just been such a weird year. Mm-hmm. So many crazy things have been going on. No one could have predicted that this pandemic would come and shut everything down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just don't know what's coming around the corner. Why not just take the chance and just do it now? Like, I will always land on my feet. doesn't matter if I'm going to live in a van or go sell all my belongings and live in Spain for, you know, a period of time. Mm-hmm. I wish I could get a residency. That would be amazing. Oh, man. But like, yeah, like there's not, there's nothing stopping me. Like there was at one point, like I had a boy and I was like, well, I should probably put time in the relationship. And, you know, he wasn't really happy with me traveling and not being with me. And, you know, that put strain on a relationship. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I get that. And I started compromising my climbing away because of it, like wanting to be there, trying to make the relationship work. And, and now I'm like, well, you know, that's over and I'm not in a relationship. And so do you just like throw it away and just like commit 100% and just go do these things I'm like I don't know maybe I should like why not hmm. yeah and then like too often I, I get stuck like I don't have to work like you know the job yeah. is there the job is great but like honestly that's not my that's not my life right some people it is their life they need it for different reasons and I'm like so what is stopping me from pursuing what I want to do and the only thing stopping me is me hmm. so I just have to like figure out what I want and then go for it hmm. like that's it Oh, boy. 
I know, right? <laughs> like, We've got it on record. <laughs> I know. It's true, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to send this to you and just make a little loop at that part. And just That's right. So and just remind myself every remind day. Me, like, yeah. what are you doing, Audrey? What are you doing? <laughs> Morning reminder. Just listen to this. That's interesting. So you're 48 years old right now? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> so it's funny because I was going to ask you, I was like, are you going to climb 514 at 50? And now the question, I think, is are you going to I'm 515. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I'm not getting any younger, right? Like, I'm lucky that I'm able to climb as well as I can for as long as I have. I look at Bill Ramsey and I'm just like, can I at 60, like, still crush 514, you know? Mm. And even he admits it's a lot of work. He trains his butt off, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. He's a a machine. So I wonder, like, am I a machine? Can I I do this for how? I mean, I've had some major injuries come just by trying hard, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answers to these things, but I guess the point is that sooner than later, right, if I'm going to do it, I better not wait until I'm 60 to try Laurent Blanc. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I want to take advantage of as much energy and health that I have today and form that I have and make the most of it. Yeah, that's amazing. I have to ask, is there anything that you've changed in your 40s as far as training or recovery or or, or anything like that that's that's helped? I think the biggest thing is that I don't train, like I do a lot of my training off the wall. Okay. I think that saves a lot of my joints. I think that's really helped me have some longevity. Maybe I just have good genes in some ways too. I don't know. Is that conditioning stuff? Is that training with weights? Yeah, conditioning stuff. Like I rarely train with weights. Okay. Yeah. I My... My high intensity for power is dynamic bursty movements, which are in themselves kind of risky because you can like, you know, tear things if you're, you catch yourself wrong or you mm-hmm. land wrong or something like it definitely can hurt yourself. But I don't do massive weight training and max percent stuff. Mm-hmm. I definitely have experimented with training with that at one time. And I know how to coach that stuff. But I think if you want to be a healthy athlete for the long haul, then you need a, a kind of a different approach. If you want to maximize your performance today for today and you don't really care about impact down the road, just go all in and, and you, you should do these high intensity workouts for sure. But it's just not been my mindset. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is this stuff that you do for your own climbing training? Is that kind of in line with what you coach with your fitness stuff? Absolutely. Okay. Do you have resources yeah. that I could point people to for that? Um, or for your like Tabata warm up or, or any of this stuff? I probably do. I don't know if anything's. There are definitely videos online of some of the training I've done. Okay. Um, you can find that. And I'll follow up with you and get some links. Yeah. At some point, like I wanted to have a website. Like I have a vision of how I could put this up on, you know, make it available for people. But mm-hmm. I just haven't. I haven't committed the time to actually doing it. Okay. Yeah. But I get I get random clients. Uh, I don't take very many. I still coach people. I'll coach the kids here um, locally when I'm around. But the clients I get, I get a program and I give it to them. And it's basically, it's the same kind of training that I do. And I just modify it for how, what they need. Like if they're working around an injury or they have a specific goal or they have only certain equipment available to them. So then I customize it for them and I try to work with them on the evolution of that. So it does become more personal or personalized but it is still based off of the same construct that i use mm. cool mm-hmm. all right i'll follow up with you on that that'd yeah, be really too. fun to share some stuff yeah is there anything that you wish you'd known when you were 20 <laughs> i wish i'd known so much <laughs> so much <laughs> so much <laughs> you brought um, a whole sheet of notes well i, I, su- <laughs> I think it, <laughs> this is just so i wouldn't get too random on what i was responding but whatever um <laughs> i guess the 
what I wish I would known in climbing in my 20s um, is that I was more capable than I thought I was. Hmm. Uh, I think I wasn't ready to really push my limits. I didn't know what it meant to push my limits. I was in awe of people. I, maybe that's the transition between the 20s and the 30s when I was actually competing. I looked up to so many people, but I looked up at them in a way that diminished me, that I felt like I didn't belong, that I could never be, that I would never be like as capable or something like that. And uh, and while it's great to admire people and whatever, it should never be at the cost of your own you know, recognition that you're still able to achieve things. Mm. So in my 20s, I think I just, I didn't have quite the confidence in my ability. And moving into the 30s, that was something I definitely started to uncover. And in the last, I mean, I think this is just a journey in my life here, but in the last competition round that I went, you know, I've been on stage with, you know, the Anna Stores and the Julia Worms and the Alex Puccios and all these people. And then here we've got Margot who just busts out, you know, and I'm competing with her and Brooke and, you know, all these big names and I'm up there and it just, you know, Mino Markovic, like all these big names, the people that I look up to and I'm just like, Sasha DeJulia. And you're just like, oh, you know, very intimidated. And I think about like, do I belong here? And I'm nervous. And, you know, you're on a stage performing and all that stuff just kind of, it just gets to me. And I start mm. to think like, do I belong here? And I had to like stop that. I'm just like, I belong here just as much as anybody else does. Mm. And as soon as I could wrap my head around that, I could relax and I could climb. Hmm. And then I was like, now the transition would have been had I not got injured because it happened just kind of at that last, that last phase of my competition, you know, career, if you will. Yeah. It just morphed. And I just realized like, oh yeah, of course I belong here. I can, I'm, I can hang with these girls. Like they're all like 16, but whatever, like hmm. I'm freaking in my forties and I'm, I'm hanging in there. Uh, yeah. I'm not doing, I'm not winning, you know, I mean, that's <laughs> uh -huh. a different level. The thing that would have morphed from that would have been the mindset of like, now that you believe you belong, can you compete? Hmm. Right. And so I never really took it to that level, but I get it. And I was like, oh, well, better late than never, but uh -huh. you know, um, so in my twenties, I wish I had, I had more confidence in my ability and, just been able to tap into that more hmm. and i'm glad i've been able to do it over time but okay we should come earlier yeah. yeah what does that mental dialogue look like when you're telling yourself yes you do belong here is it just as simple as that one statement or are you thinking about are you thinking through what you've done your preparation you know what got you to this stage like i don't know what that's what a is really that, great question what does that look like <laughs> um i don't know i think what do you tell yourself I used to have a piece of paper that I would take in before the comps that I would read and that would help me remind myself that, you know, I'm capable, that I belong, that uh, that I can do this, right? Mm. And uh, um, huh. my fitness watch thinks I've reached my goal by sitting here. <laughs> 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 now we know how good it is. <laughs> um, resting goal. <laughs> yeah, I met my resting goal, exactly. Um <laughs> So the dialogue, I think it changes, but the essence of it is that I'm capable, like mm. I'm capable. And it's not founded in just like this egoistic, I'm capable, I'm good, I'm whatever. It is founded in that I've done the hard work, I've done the preparation, I've, I've put, you know, all the learnings that I've gotten coaches, I've read things, I've worked with people, I'm, you know, put time, I've just put my time in. I belong here just as much. I didn't get here by accident, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be like... At one time, I was on the U.S. national team. I was in top three, but I was like in the top seven, eight, mm. you know, whatever. And so you make it. But people weren't going to World Cups. And so I was able to get that opportunity. 
that's not an accident, right? Mm -hmm. And just show up and be like, oh, today I want to climb a World Cup, you know, haven't, you know. It's because I have the ability that I was able even to get myself on the radar of being able to do a World Cup. So it, I have to remind myself of that. Like sometimes I think, I don't know. I don't know what I think, but I have to tell myself, I belong here. It's okay. You can do this. Do your best. And being able to relax and just enjoy the moment of being there, that's the most I could ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what about outside of climbing? What about in your normal life or in your career? Anything you wish you'd known years ago, decades ago? Oh, gosh. I think it's a, um, it spills over. Yeah. The Same confidence stuff. thing. Yeah, the confidence thing is a big thing. I think... Uh, I'm generally a person that comes from a place of low confidence and having to build myself up and having to have that belief in my ability, even at work, even the achievements I've done through my life, like it's not an accident. Like I put the work in, I try hard, I give everything, I, I do the research, I try to apply what I learn, I talk to people. Um, but sometimes I forget that I've done all of that. And you think like, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe this just landed on me. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, I think I have to remind myself that I, I deserved it. I, I work hard and mm. I create, I create my results and a lot of them are pretty good. Mm. I can be proud. Cool. Yeah. What is something that you have felt especially grateful for recently? Oh. She, just, she checks <laughs> I her notes. notes. I was like, "This is a this was a tough one." I'm just like, um, I think the the thing that came to mind when I wrote this was my climbing community because being in Vegas over COVID, I had two friends living with me. We were our own household. We could get out. We could climb. I went through an unfortunate breakup, you know, just before this, and mm. you know, suffer, you know, dealing with a lot of heartbreak and then the isolation and being alone at home and then having to like find the focus and energy to climb, but you can't go to the gym, so you don't have your community around you. And I was feeling really isolated, and I was like, I don't know how, how I would have gotten through it without without my friends there. So my climbing community, I think, right now, I'm super grateful for them. Everybody who's been available to me and the household, and for, for sure these two people that were with me, I don't know. I I don't know how I would have lasted because mm. you didn't want to get out. I'm so even today, it's more rampant than it was then. The whole disease thing is out there, but we were all more scared. And so we didn't want to climb with random people, right? We needed to only climb with people in our household. And if they weren't there, I wouldn't have climbed at all. Mm. But because they were, we could go explore cliffs, we could go hiking, we could do things together. That was invaluable. I really, really appreciated that. Mm. And now that I'm back here, I'm kind of now still alone, but I'm reconnecting with my old friends and kind of trying to scope out who's going to be my pandemic buddy, <laughs> you know, but now I've got a lot of interest. I'm back in the network and I think I can figure it out and that helps me feel like I'm more connected again. Hmm. But just like injury, anytime you fall away from your community and you start feeling like you're, you're in isolation, if you don't have something else to fall back on, it feels really lonely and it's really, I think it can be really sad and kind of turn you in a in a negative way um and i've been trying to be very conscious of not doing that and trying to stay connected with people and just keep trying to create an atmosphere where despite covid i have a community mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. yeah so i'm great i'm grateful for the people in my life right now awesome definitely <laughs> anything else on your sheet that we didn't hit you uh share? no i don't think so Hmm. Mm -mm. No, we co we covered a lot of this actually. Cool. Yeah. 
Well, I'll wrap up then. I really enjoyed that video, and I'll share it in the show notes, the video that I referred to at the beginning, work hard, climb harder. And at the end of that, you had sent Lost Horizons, and you were having a celebratory victory cone. Yes. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a favorite? It looked like a chocolate vanilla swirl ice cream <laughs> cone from Dairy Queen or something like that. Do you have a favorite post-send victory treat? Uh, if it's out here at the exit, it's uh, it's at the Dairy Freeze there by in North Bend. Dairy Freeze. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, it's just a local little shop. They do like hamburgers and stuff too. But yeah, they have a soft serve, and it it was like it started back in in uh, what the early two thousands when I started training for climbing, and I met these guys. Uh, that were psyched and there's one guy I think I told you when I was trying to get up super super early Mm because this guy was like super super motivated and uh, his name's Greg Olson by the way Uh, he's an old school climber like still climbs with his socks and his shoes like he just (laughs) turned 60 actually he's kind of like a Ramsey he was still bouldering V7 last I saw him but he's he's just moved he's living in um, Vienna now so he was living in Israel for a while Okay. so just had his 60th birthday so I just caught up with him but he was climbing here and he's a postdoc and he was just like oh yeah but if you wanted to get out you know the sun's up at like you know he's like we could still make you know and I was like okay Greg okay Greg let's try it and I tried it I did Um, he was but somehow what are are we talking like how early was he trying to go climbing he would have gone out at 3am if he could like oh, seriously, God. too early. <laughs> it was like too... leave the house at three. Meet at three. Meet at three. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my God! Because you know you can hike in the dark, and then the sun comes <laughs> up in the wall, and then you have like this really long time to you climb. You climb the warm ups with the headlamp. <laughs> oh my gosh! But no, I'd be I'd be in bed Jesus. by five. <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be crazy. So I did. I tried to support him. Uh, I couldn't do that early, but somehow somewhere in there, the stopping at the dairy freeze became like the thing, hmm. and it and it was the thing because. One season with him, I started just sending everything. And I was just like, so he was just like, <laughs> we had to make a rule for how often we could get the dairy freeze. <laughs> yeah. But so in honor of him, I guess I keep it. And um, yeah, after Lost, it was a nice warm day and the dairy freeze seemed appropriate. Awesome. Yep. Well, Audrey, this has been a, a real pleasure. <laughs> I'm glad you. we got a chance to connect and climb last week. And uh it was fun going down memory lane. <laughs> yeah, so fun to hear all your stories. So, yeah, cool. um, I'm glad you found some some projects, some link ups to at least get some fitness and some momentum on again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wish you best of luck on on your aspirations and your goals. Thank goal. you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right, take care. Before you guys go, I want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your kind messages. Thank you for sharing the podcast with friends and on social media. I really appreciate all of it. You guys got me all fired up. With that said, I could really use your support if supporting the podcast feels worth it to you. You can go to thenuggetclimbing.com and click on the orange support the podcast button at the top of the page. And there are a few different ways that you can support the podcast financially. If you want to be involved in the show, I'm trying something new on Patreon. You can become a patron for just $1 a month, and I'm going to start sending out emails periodically of upcoming guests I plan to have on the show, and patrons can submit questions for them. And if they seem interesting, I'll ask them on the show. A lot of you guys follow climbing very closely, and I'm sure some of you have questions that I never would have thought of, and I think it could make the show better, and I think it'll be fun. Again, that's at thenuggetclimbing.com. Click on the support the podcast button and the Patreon option will be right there on the page. 
Again, thank you to everyone just for listening. I love you guys. Appreciate you. Be safe. Have fun. We'll see you next time. Like we do it.